All we want really is that appreciation. We still have that asset. And what we don't want to do is suffer a loss on that asset because what we've got to do is put a homeowner through a foreclosure process. It doesn't work for us in the same way that it works for a lender. A lender doesn't care because they've got tons of equity, loads of coverage in most cases. They'll sell the house at pennies on the dollar as long as they get their money back for us. It's a very different position as an equity owner. We need to work hand in hand with the homeowner because our interests are aligned. What's bad for the homeowner is bad for us. So that's why this is a a much more friendly deal than a loan would ever be. Welcome to the Prosperity Through Multifamily Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Blue Oak Capital. If you are looking to take your real estate investing to the next level and learn how you can achieve your financial success by investing in multifamily real estate, then this show is for you. Our mission is to help you improve your education and learn proven strategies from industry leaders to help you master multifamily investing. Now here's your hosts, Cody Laughlin, John Beatty, and Brian Alfaro. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another installment of the Prosperity Through Multifamily Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Real Estate Cody, and with me, as always, the coffee connoisseur himself, Mr. Brian Alfaro. What's up, buddy? Cody, good morning. Nice to see you again. You as well. You as well. Brian, we just hit a pretty good milestone. We just got a notification that we just reached, I don't know, it's like 7,500 downloads on the podcast. You know, that's exciting. We've been making a lot of good momentum, a lot of traction here. So appreciate all of our audience tuning in with us and engaging in our content, man. It's great. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. You know, when you start these things, you never quite know where they're going to go. So we're uh, almost a hundred episodes in. So stay tuned. We definitely have some cool stuff in the works and uh, excited to uh, talk to our guests today and continue to add value to our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I'm really excited about our guest today because uh, we're going to learn something new here, something that you and I both were talking before the show we haven't heard of before. So this is going to be cool. So tell us who that is. Absolutely. So today we have Matthew Sullivan in the hot seat. Matthew is the CEO and founder of Quantum RE, a company that solves a real problem for homeowners by helping them access a portion of their home equity without taking on more debt. This new financing tool is not a HELOC, it's not a loan, and it's not a reverse mortgage. That means homeowners can get cash from their equity with no interest and no monthly payments. Matthew and his team have helped over 100 homeowners use their home equity to pay off credit cards, remodel their home, pay college tuition fees, or to diversify into other investments, hopefully like multifamily, all without taking on extra debt. Matthew has a proven track record in real estate innovation through his experience as co-founder of the Secured Real Estate Income Strategies Fund and as president and founder of CrowdVenture.com, a real estate crowdfunding company. Originally from London, Matthew worked with Richard Branson's corporate finance team and was a director of the Virgin-sponsored London Air Ambulance, a helicopter pilot himself. He's also the host of his own podcast, Hooked on Startups. Matthew, welcome to the show. I don't, I don't think that's me, actually. I think, that's, I think you got the wrong... <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me on. I'm, I'm Brian, Cody, good to meet you. Absolutely. Great to have you on the show. Looking forward to learning more about this strategy. Cody and I were talking a little bit before the show, and we're not experts, so we don't like to say, but we know quite a bit about real estate. Uh, we're a little bit more focused on the commercial side, but I was in single family for some time. Cody, I know you were in single family for some time, and everybody knows about HELOCs and cash out refinances and following strategies like the Burr. but this is something uh, that's a little bit new to us. We're definitely looking forward to learning more about you and this strategy as well. Isn't that right, Cody? Yeah, absolutely. And Brian, before we go down that rabbit hole, I want to circle back to the bio. Dude, it's so freaking cool that you're a helicopter pilot. It's, <laughs> it's on my bucket list that I want to fly a helicopter. So Brian and I'll joke, we want the Blue Oak helicopter that we can just go to property tours with. So that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's great. No, no, it is. 
it is, it's something that, funnily enough, I used to dream about as a kid. You know, I used to dream about motorcycles and helicopters. Um, and um, I, funnily enough, when I was working with Branson, um, we had this idea to set up this thing called Virgin Helicopters, where we were going to shuttle people from London Airport, so Heathrow or Gatwick, into the city, into the centre of London. We founded a company called Virgin Helicopters, and God, this was you know mid nineties, and I was one of the directors there, and I learned to fly. So every Saturday, I would turn up, you know, with my books and my sort of big grin, and I, I learned to fly a helicopter there. So it was. Um, I still dream about helicopters. I haven't flown for quite a while, but uh, it is the most amazing thing to do, and it will not disappoint. So if it's on your bucket list, it's it's a bit like um, enchiladas, I suppose. They very rarely disappoint. <laughs> Move it up to the top and go and do it, because it is a, being surrounded by a thousand timed parts in search of an oil leak um, is, is a wonderful experience. That's really cool. Okay, definitely, definitely going to have to expedite that up on the bucket list. But so, working with Bronson, did you happen to go up with him to space on that spacecraft that he he made? Well, do you know, I missed the email. He he did invite me, but um, for some reason, I had uh, I had some TV to watch. Um, so uh, otherwise, I would have gone. Yeah. So no, I don't. Think, yeah, it's it's been a while since uh, Sir Richard and I have. Uh, um, although I did bump into him a few years back at a Clinton Global Initiative conference. And um, I said, hello, Richard. And he did recognize me. Uh, but then he was whisked away by his sort of security. So um, I think that was the last moment I saw him. Oh, very cool, man. I'm sure that was a pretty cool experience being able to work with him and the team over at Virgin. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for him and, and kind of some of his business philosophies. And so uh, really cool. But hey, man, let's let's get to, to more you. You're the star of the show today. So tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you found your way into crowd venture and whatnot? I suppose my uh, last 25 years or so, maybe even longer than that, has been entrepreneurial. So I started out life as um, a red law at university many, many years ago, moved into insurance and then started uh, a career in stockbroking. So uh, late 80s, I ended up being a stockbroker working in the Far East market. So the ASEAN Tigers, Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand, worked with a small team, did that for a few years. And then we spun off a company which ended up um, working very closely with Branson. The story is that we had a, an interest in a hot air balloon company. And my boss at the time wrote to Richard, uh, who had an office just up the road from us in Kensington. And he said, you know, we had this idea to fly around the world in a hot air balloon. It's the world's, you know, it's the last great adventure. And then this was like 20 years ago. Um, and we think, Richard, that you would be a great pilot. We've we've got this balloon company. We've got this design. Um, you know, why don't you, what, what do you think? So he wrote back saying, dear Rory, why not? Yours, Richard. So we started off um, our relationship with him really by, you know, diving in at the deep end by having him as a pilot. And, and th with this great adventure of the Virgin Global Challenger was born and, um all sorts of, you know, fabulously exciting thing ha things happened over that sort of couple of years period. And um, we got closer to Richard. And, uh, you know, from there, I think, uh, you know, in the late 90s, having, you know, worked in the corporate finance side and done all sorts of exciting things there, I sort of left and started my own business. So I started off in telecoms and um, then moved into finance. And then sort of fast forward to about eight years ago, 
had some fairly significant sort of changes, life changes, and I, you know, found myself in Orange County, California, um, which, which wasn't a terrible thing, really. Um, but one of the things that I really wanted to do, having been involved in technology platforms and, and finance, was get deeper into real estate. So the first thing that I did when I came over here was, was figure out how I could get involved into real estate. And the Jobs Act had been passed, which was the ability for people to advertise deals online for the first time without having to have that sort of special existing relationship. So the ability to generally solicit deals um, came about through the Jobs Act. So that gave birth to a lot of the crowdfunding platforms. And so crowdfunding was a great way to combine you know, finance, tele, you know, technology, real estate. And so that was born. And, and from there, I met some fantastic partners with whom I still work today. And that's where I sort of stumbled across what is the business that I run today, which is quantum, which is this really exciting asset class, um, which is the ability to invest in the equity in, in people's homes that are not for sale. Very, very interesting background there. And uh, you're a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. I think we have some similarities here. You know, hot air balloons, motorcycles, no, listen, Let me make it absolutely clear. I'm not interested in hot air balloons. There's just not enough moving parts there. So there's no gasoline involved. There's no gunpowder. So, you know, interested in other areas, but but uh, not air balloons. But I, I, you know, I take your point. Thank you. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, we also share some commonality here, obviously, our love for real estate and, um, things that incorporate technology into real estate. We always mention all the time, right, Brian, where real estate has historically been slower to evolve on the technology front. Uh, although we think that that's going to be the new way moving forward. And so I'm uh, really excited about that. And, you know, to your point, you know, just like us, many people got into this world of private placement and syndication due to the opportunities that uh, came about from the jobs act, you know, making it more accessible to your so-called yeah. retail investor level investors or, or, or any investors it's just the ability to cast a wider net you, you know without having to go through that f initial friction but it's interesting because the crowdfunding the real estate crowdfunding companies have on the whole been hugely successful so if you look at you know companies like uh, realty mogul and crowd street and Peer street and there's a number of other companies that you know the, the capital that they have in terms of the number of deals or the capital under management, you know, it's in the billions now. So it's been a real success story. Um, and in addition to that, we've had some significant advances in technology. So I think we're all familiar with, you know, blockchain and crypto and, you know, what's happening in digital securities and, you know, the, the ability to move or the ability to create liquidity for previously illiquid asset classes. So there's lots of really exciting stuff that's that's happening today behind the scenes that I think will emerge very soon. And we're we're you know right in the epicenter of that at Quantum as well. So our platform has sort of two voices, one which is really, you know, for homeowners, but one is is very much a technology-driven investment platform that enables people to participate in a previously untapped $23 trillion asset class. Well, that's, that's exciting, right, Brian? Because I think, you know, one of the challenges that every investor runs into eventually is finding additional capital, right? They all eventually get tapped out. And, and what are some other creative ways that we can find that liquidity other than just cash in the bank, for example, right? So I think the successful real estate investors 
know how to be creative and problem solving when it comes to tapping in into yeah. other people's money or, or, or different creative ways to uh, find investment capital. Right, Brian? Yeah, um, I'm interested in definitely learning more about this on both sides, right? As a homeowner in his home, how do I get some cash in my pocket and sort of put it to, put it to work, put it to good use? And then if I'm on the other side of the table and I'm the actual investor who's uh, writing the check to the homeowner, how does that sort of benefit me? So uh, this is definitely something that's new for me. And I think it's going to be growing over the next few years, especially with, as uh, Matthew alluded to, uh, the inclusion of technology like blockchain technology and tokenization of assets. Yep. This is a whole untapped world that is uh, we're at the very, very early stages of people still don't know about it yet. And I think the important thing really is if you, if you look at what the problem you know, with all of these things, you can talk about technology and there has to be a problem that is being solved in order for that technology or that advancement to be useful. So the problem that we're solving is this so-called concept of being house rich and cash poor. And that's a problem that touches a number of different people in a number of different ways. So you have homeowners and particularly over the last 18 months have seen the value of their homes increased significantly. Yet at the same time, from a cash perspective, they're under increasing pressure. So I think we're going to see more and more evictions. We're going to see more and more people. You've seen you know, unemployment grow significantly. At a grassroots level, despite the number of stimulus packages, it's still, I mean, we're, we're, what we're seeing is people are still finding it difficult to make ends meet. And yet at the same time, on paper, their wealth has increased significantly. But the problem is many of those people can't tap into that equity or their wealth because they don't qualify for a loan. So if their credit report or their credit score has been hit by you know, their need to increase their amount of credit usage or maybe they've lost their job or uh, any number of different reasons, if they find themselves in a position where they don't qualify for the increasingly um, you know, difficult uh, hurdles to, to get a HELOC or to get a cash out refi, they're in a position where their wealth is trapped. Now, that's, that's one group of uh, homeowners. And there are other homeowners who simply don't want to borrow money. And you probably come across these in your investment pool. People that have made money, people that have assets, have probably paid off their mortgage. But for psychological reasons, don't like the idea of having debt because of the, the commitment that comes with that so if they miss a payment, then they feel that they're exposed to potentially losing some of their assets. Um, and then the third group of people are people that see home equity as purely a concentrated asset that they need to diversify out of. In other words, you know, if I'm a homeowner and I've got a million dollars worth of equity in a property and it's not doing anything for me, it's not generating cash flow for me, the less debt I have on the property, then the less I'm getting as a return because I'm losing, losing that benefit of leverage. So what I want to do is try and get out of this scenario where all my eggs are in one basket and, and diversify and use that equity for other investments to diversify out of one home into multiple homes or multiple investments. So we've got three distinct pools of people. And, and the way our agreement works is something that is very familiar in the commercial real estate world, but is not used at all in the, the residential world. And that is an agreement. Our agreements, our home equity agreements, are effectively option agreements that enable the homeowner to receive a cash lump sum 
in exchange for sharing in some of the current and potential appreciation of the property at some point in the future when the property is sold. So in the commercial world, you would normally see this as a preferred equity investment. And in commercial real estate, if you look at a capital stack, you've got junior debt, senior debt, maybe some mezzanine, there's preferred equity, there's equity, there's shared appreciation mortgages. So there's all sorts of different funding packages in a commercial real estate transaction. In a residential transaction, it's debt, different flavors of debt, you know, mortgage, reverse mortgage, home equity line of credit, and that's it. So there's no equity funding. So our program or our financial instrument, as it were, is based on us being investors, not lenders. So we are investing in the potential appreciation of your home in exchange for which we give you a lump sum. Because it's not a loan, there are no monthly payments because we don't get paid by charging you interest. We only get paid when you sell your home or if you decide to buy the agreement back at some point. And when that happens, we then figure out what the value of your property is at that time. And then we look to our agreement and say, how do we carve up the amount that it's gone up so we get our money back together with a share of that appreciation? So that's, that's really how it works. And that's why it's a very different construct to a loan, but it is something that you will be familiar with if you're in the commercial real estate world. Hey guys, it's your host, Cody. And I wanted to take a few seconds to ask you a very important question. Do you really know how to evaluate a passive investment opportunity when it has been presented to you? We all know passively investing is a great way to invest in multifamily real estate, but do you really understand the intricacies of passively investing in these private placement offerings? Sure, there's a ton of education on how to buy apartments, but not enough education on how to effectively evaluate a private placement offering when considering a passive investment opportunity. With the ever-growing number of syndicators entering into the multifamily space, it is important that you have a fundamental understanding on how to protect your interests and most importantly, your capital when investing in these private placement offerings. If you wanna learn how to passively invest like the pros and avoid the pitfalls of many novice investors, then check out our free investor guide titled How Savvy Investors Evaluate Multifamily Deals on our website at www.blueoakinvest.com forward slash evaluate to learn how you can confidently evaluate your next passive investment offering. Now back to the show. Yeah, this is very, very interesting, Matthew. And, and I'm kind of curious because this is the first time for me personally, conceptually that I've heard of this home equity agreement. How long has this been around and, and how did this come to be or how did you discover this as a potential opportunity? It's a common question. So the, I mean, the question that we get frequently is, why haven't I heard of this? Uh, and I think really it's because, well, to answer your question directly, it's been around that this construct or this type of agreement has been around for over a decade. It was really created by a company called Equity Key, um, who are based in San Diego. One of their original uh, councils is one of our advisors. And they came up with this, this structure, which uses equity outside of a loan. And there are a number of companies that, that picked that up and, and uh, adopted it and made some slight modifications. So we've got about five, six companies in this space today. And I would estimate that about a billion dollars a year is being invested collectively by all of these companies into home equity agreements. That has 
um, really accelerated significantly over the last three years. So three or four years ago, when we started this, there was a couple of other companies in our space, very little volume, you know, everyone was sort of feeling their way. And there was very little market knowledge, very little exposure. People didn't know anything about this at all. And there's that natural skepticism that comes with it. So it has been around for a while. And I think it's like any new product, like a HELOC or a reverse mortgage. Once people listen or rather hear about it over and over again, it will become a mainstream product. I think you're absolutely right, because it solves such a massive problem across so many different homeowners. And the way we came across it was I was at a crowdfunding conference, must have been about six years ago. I, I heard someone speaking about this concept of home equity because it was a real estate crowdfunding and that all these different ideas were being kicked around. And that immediately resonated because as a homeowner, having owned my own home in the UK for many years, you know how challenging it is to be able to borrow money if the economic scenario isn't just right for you. Yet at the same time, you've got hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash sitting there that you could really do with if you could get your hands on it. So it was really interesting. The problems were, as you say, no one really knew about it. The investors weren't really attracted to it because it was potentially a long-term investment um, and there's no cash pay. And, and there's very little market take up. So it was a case of, you know, come back later when, um, you know, when more people know about this. But I was obsessed with this. And then about four years ago, when blockchain technologies began to, began to emerge in a sort of coherent fashion, just tapping into all of my background on, you know, technology platforms and finance, suddenly it, it occurred to me that if we could use blockchain technologies, which was this really light, fast, efficient, non-expensive technology, if we could use that to somehow create a marketplace where these instruments could trade and we could create a secondary market in the same way that you have a secondary market for, you know, for loan notes and for mortgages, then we would solve that liquidity problem. We would solve that lack of cash flow. You create a dynamic sort of capital market system for something that itself is enormous. So there's no point doing a capital market system for, you know, people that want to trade, you know, M&Ms, for example, because that's a relatively small market. But someone that wants to trade the equity in single family residences, you know, then you've got the attention you know, potentially of some very large players. Out of curiosity, you know, one thing that I think people need to be aware of when you have mortgages on your residential properties, you have to be very cautious of certain clauses that are in those mortgage documents that could potentially lead to a due on sale clause or whatever. And, and we see that with certain uh, investing techniques or strategies that you kind of have to navigate very carefully. Does this impede or interfere with or put you at risk? Well, the only, um, the short answer is no, because there's no transfer of title. So we do not go on the property as an owner. Our agreement is protected by a lien on title, which is in a junior position. So you may have a clause in your mortgage that says that you are not allowed to add any additional liens to your property, but that is very rare. And we have not come across any homeowners that have that clause. A due on sale clause is, is fairly uh, ubiquitous. So, uh, but that's fine because our agreements. Um, we, we don't transfer ownership. It sits as a separate agreement where 
the agreement is between us as the investor and the homeowner. The homeowner can do that because they own the property, so they have control of the property. Some of the rights of a homeowner is you can do that sort of stuff. Um, now, there's no additional debt. So from a mortgage perspective, we're actually putting the homeowner in a better position because the mortgage uh, owner always has a, a senior position to us, even though we have a, a lien on title. We're in a junior position. And remember, we're an equity holder. So the bank doesn't really care if, if, if the homeowner does an equity deal because it doesn't uh, um, reduce or somehow uh, limit the equity um, that the bank has to use as security. But because it's not a debt transaction, there are no monthly payments. That capital goes to the homeowner and may solve a major problem for that homeowner, which in effect solves a major problem for the lender. Because if the lender is no longer being forced to sell the home or um, isn't going to have to call the loan in because the, the homeowner's financial position has been solved, then that protects the, uh, the lender as well. So it's a very beneficial arrangement on all sides because the homeowner gets what they need, which is their capital, on terms that are very useful and beneficial to them. It doesn't affect the lender. It strengthens the lender's position because the homeowner has more cash, so it's more likely to be able to service the debt. And from an investor's perspective, they get the ability to take a free ride effectively on the equity appreciation of a residential home that is not rented out or leased out with all the problems associated with toilets and tenants and trash. It's owned by a homeowner, and the homeowner is the best steward of the home. They're going to look after the home, you know, particularly because we always make sure they're left with a very, you know, a pretty chunky slug of equity even after our transactions. Let's put this into context. Let's let's use an example with some just basic numbers here, just so we can conceptualize this a little better. So let's say, Brian, you've got a home, right? You have a home that's valued at 200000 You have $100,000 of mortgage on there. So you have $100,000 in equity. That's just debt equity, right? Unless, you, you can't really tap into it unless you borrow against it. We're partnering with Quantum RE. So, yes. so what's the maximum, I guess, that we can... I don't know if leverage is the right term here, but what's the maximum that we can then maximize out of that equity of that 100000 Well, we refer to combined lean to equity. So what we want to do is say, what's the maximum exposure that we want to see on that property as a whole? And that exposure includes the debt and any equity that is part of our agreement. So in California, for example, we'll go up to 80%. So that means that if you look at the combination of the amount that we invest together with the existing mortgage, that has to be no more than 80% of the current value of the property. So 80% of the current value of the property is 160,000. Subtract the 100,000, that means potentially we could invest up to $60,000. But the other thing we look at is, is that there's a cap that says what's the maximum amount that we want to invest as a percentage of the value of the home. And again, in California, depending on a number of factors, that can be, you know, 35, 40%. So in your case, we could unlock up to $60,000 of equity. And that would be in addition to your existing mortgage. So you wouldn't have to pay your mortgage off. It doesn't appear as a, um, it's not a loan. So there's no monthly payments. Um, it, the agreement is protected. So we will sit in second position. And th in this example, we'll talk about a 10-year agreement. 
There are other agreements that can run for up to 30 years. But in, on a 10-year basis, what we say is for every 10% of the home that we invest, when you sell your home, you would give us back 16% of the value of the home when you sell it. So effectively, we're buying some of the future value of your home at a discount in exchange for cash today. And that's a transaction that I think many people are familiar with this concept of, you know, what is the present value of capital as opposed to the future value of capital. So we're saying we're taking a bit of a risk because we're hoping that your property is not going to crash in value. Because if it does, then as an equity um, investor, we may lose money. And that's very important because that's what really differentiates this between a loan as well. But if your property stays where it is or goes up in value, then we're going to do okay. But you as a homeowner, you're going to do okay as well because you've got, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars that has no monthly payments. In addition to that, it's not taxable at this stage. So it's not income. There's no income tax. And you don't pay capital gains tax on it because it's an option agreement that is settled at a point in the future. So if there's a capital gains tax liability on your property, you will pay that capital gains when you sell that property and you can offset the cost of our agreement against your capital gains liability. So that brings down the true cost of our agreement if you have a capital gains liability on your property. And that makes it more tax efficient than a loan would be. So if we take a simple example, if we were to unlock $20,000, that's 10% of the current value of your home. When you sell your home at any point in the next 10 years, or if you decide to buy the agreement back, you would pay us 16%. So in other words, we're, we're buying 16% of the value of your home or $32,000 worth of the present value. We're paying $20,000 for that. But again, the important thing for you psychologically is that's that's we didn't that's sort of money that isn't isn't really there because your property may go down, it may go up, but you've now got use of that capital, so you can put use that as a down payment on a, on another investment. You can use that to uh, fund your your um, you know the growth of your portfolio. And if you've got a million dollar home, and that twenty thousand is. $250,000, for example, then you've got meaningful amounts of capital. And we will invest up to half a million dollars per property. So going back to our example then, so Brian now has $60,000 of capital. He now has at his disposal. And Brian is a very astute investor and he wants to go invest that back into, let's say, another investment, so to yep. speak. And in five years from now, Brian doubles his money. He now has $120,000 back. And let's decide, let's say he wants to decide to yep. pay back this term or buy this option back. Yep. So no early payment penalties. Um, what we would simply do is get an, uh, an appraisal. So we'd instruct a third-party appraisal management company. We get an independent appraisal and we'd use the figure that we get there as the value of your home at the time that you want to buy the agreement back. Got and we just use exactly the same metrics. So as if you were selling the home, but rather than selling the home, you can stay there and you just buy the agreement back. Brian, you got any equity in your home, bud? You need to go to work, man. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> and this works for owner-occupied homes. It works for rental properties, holiday lets. It's all driven by equity. So it's not driven by your debt-to-income ratio. It's not driven by 
your rent to interest ratios or uh, you know any other metric that's normally applied to debt. It's all about equity. So, and what we find with property owners, some property owners have had properties for for, for decades, you know, because their, their capital. The, the, they make money when they sell their property. The, I think we all know this. The the rent kind of pays the running costs uh, for single family residences. For multifamilies, it's obviously different. And people make their money when they sell the property. But the problem there is you're stuck with these illiquid assets that you can't do anything with. Um, yet you still have that maintenance cost, and you still got to look after all your properties in the meantime. But so this is a good way of accessing some of that capital to put to work to buy new properties without impacting your debt-to-income ratio. And are you selective on the properties that you're implementing this strategy against? Does it have to be owner-occupied or is it... Could it be- no, that's what I'm saying. It can be owner-occupied or rental or, or rental. holiday lets or multifamily up to four units. Got it. Got it. Okay. Interesting. So, all right. So you talked about your downside risk because obviously you're left in exposure. You're in a second lien position, essentially. To, to your mortgage. But I would imagine that's probably why you have the 10-year term, right? Because if you over 10 years, historically, real estate's probably going to continue to appreciate. And there's also a fair amount of profit built into the contract from the outset. Okay. So so in other words, you know, if you were to sell your home after three years and it didn't go up in value at all, and you, you know, we would still get $32,000 as a return on our $20,000 investment. So there's that some in the money element that's built into the contract. Now, if you sell your property in the early years, in other words, after six months, for example, we bring in a cap. So the return on investment is capped at a certain figure, which means that you don't have to pay that full sort of, you know, the, the full price. You it would be sort of throttled back to make it fair for you as a homeowner. And also if your home you know, screams up in value, there's a, a return on investment cap there as well. So there are certain thresholds where we won't charge more than a certain amount. But but again, these agreements are very flexible. You can step in the day after you complete on your property or the day after you close on your property acquisition. There's no seasoning period. You can buy it back at any point without penalty. They run for 10 years, but typically people tend to refinance them or move house or or sell, or, or or you know something happens within that ten year period. But there are other agreements that we work with, um, similar sort of metrics that can run for up to thirty years as well. Uh, I appreciate you alluding to that because that was going to be one of my follow up questions for you about the seizing period, which you pointed out. But I'm I'm going to keep picking on Brian here. So so what's Brian's downside risk then by implementing this strategy with you? Well, there's no. I mean, the important thing is when you go into this agreement, you know exactly what you're getting into. So there are no unknowns other than what the value of your property is going to be at some point in the future. Now, I think that's fair because that unknown is an unknown that is shared by everybody. So the amount of the sharing ratio is fixed and all there are no ongoing costs or management or maintenance fees. or So, so everything is outlined very clearly at the beginning of the agreement. So you go in with your eyes open. That's the most important thing. So the only downside is really the fact that you're giving up some potential value of your property in exchange for money today. So that's not necessarily downside, it's opportunity risk. But in exchange for that opportunity risk, you're getting capital today. So 
what you're doing is you're making an informed decision. Do you think that the cost of your capital is worth the capital that you're getting? In other words, are you able to do more with that money that you get today than it's going to cost you? And remember, it only costs you at some point in the future. And there's no, the most important thing is you haven't got that servicing cost during that period. Um, so, the, so the downside really is, it's a psychological downside to a certain extent. You may end up paying more for this agreement than you make, but that's the same with any agreement or any you know, contract that you go into. Well, it, to me, it brings up two, two points here uh, regarding number one, kind of the fundamental argument across real estate, right? Where is your home an asset or is it a liability? And, you know, for the probably general consumer out there, there's still this long-term belief that your home is an asset. But in reality, just I think in, in our conversation today, just goes to show you that it's, it's really not unless you're able to leverage it using techniques like this. But then it also, to me, brings up the point of the consumer mindset. And because there's a little bit of a mindset shift here, right? From thinking about it from a consumer versus an investor. Right. And it, like you said, going back to that opportunity yeah. risk, that's where an investor can see this as a real opportunity to really maximize the potential in your, in your home's value versus maybe the general consumer homeowner that would look at this and say, Oh man, that's just, yeah, I have cash in hand today, but eventually I have to pay it back. And, you know, like you said, it's an opportunity cost. But again, what you've got to look at though, is that for many people, um, the wealth that they generated in their home over the last 12 months was unexpected. And again, it's there. But if you can't tap into it, let's say that their homes didn't appreciate during COVID, which, was so, which is something that everyone would have um, certainly accepted. But to see this massive house appreciation. So should that piece remain part of my asset that I shouldn't touch mentality? Or can I allow myself to say, okay, well, when we started the, the beginning of the year, I'm going to keep that much and then anything that the house has grown over the last 12 months, over and above that figure, I'm going to unlock that because that's effectively free money because I haven't done anything to that. Do you see what I mean? It, it starts, it starts when you start dealing with the psychology of home ownership, it becomes, it becomes very illogical, a lot of the arguments. People say, don't use your house as an ATM. And, and I understand that because if you're using your house as an ATM and you're increasing your risk of foreclosure because you are leveraging yourself up to the eyeballs and you cannot afford the monthly payments, then you are necessarily on the road to ruin, of course. But if you are in a financial tight spot and you're sitting on half a million dollars worth of equity that you can't access using traditional debt and we come along and write you a check for a quarter of a million dollars, is that going to ruin your day or is that going to make you smile? It's probably the latter. And we're not taking your home. You don't run the risk of losing your house because there are no monthly payments. And we cannot eat into your existing equity. If your house goes down in value, we end up potentially running the risk of losing money, unlike a reverse mortgage, which will just take, you know, take all your equity. Thank you. So there are some really interesting things that this product provides. Ultimately, it works for the investor on balance over a pool of these uh, investments because property over any 10-year period in the US tends to outperform inflation. And, and also, there's some additional returns built into the agreement. But you know, this is not some clever way of us finding a way of owning your home, which is the 
opposite to what we want. You know, we certainly do not want, we don't take ownership. We don't want ownership of your home. The reason we're going into this is because you're the best steward and the best person to look after your asset, not us. What we want is some of the appreciation, is a share of some of the appreciation. That's why it's interesting to us. But in exchange for that, we will buy that with a cash lump sum. And, and you know, that's really, it is actually quite simple. And I think all of the complications that um, arise are all debt-based because if you increase your debt, your credit score gets impacted, you know, your monthly payments become a problem, you know, your car gets repossessed, you know, those are all debt rate, you know, you know um, related problems. Yet at the same time, if you are significantly increasing your wealth through an asset that you can't tap into, what is the point of that? What is the point of having a mentality that says, I'm not going to touch my home equity, I'll wait for the bank to foreclose on me? That's the natural extension of that argument. You mentioned these are 10 or 30 year agreements. What happens if the homeowner, or even if it's an investment property, let's say I own a single family house, you and I sign a 10 year agreement, I get my lump sum cash and it appreciates over 10 years. But what happens if I don't want to sell it? Does the agreement renew? Is there a new agreement? Well, we can, and again, what we want to do is, is, I mean, we've got a, you've committed to say that you will settle this agreement after 10 years. And we protect that by sticking a lien on title that says that, you know, this, this, so we've got an interest in your property or we've, we have a, you know, we have the right to exercise our um, agreement because of that lien. Now, the question is, do we really want to do that? Do we want to, you know, foreclose? Do we want to end up going through that process? And the answer is no, because as an equity owner, we completely lose control because we're not in first position. So we will always work with the homeowner to try and find a solution. Now, that is probably going to be the renewal of the agreement. It's going to be, um, can we assist you with refinancing now? We've got lots of contacts. But, but in most cases, if we can extend it, because all we want really is that appreciation. We still have that asset. And what we don't want to do is suffer a loss on that asset, because what we've got to do is put a homeowner through a foreclosure process. It doesn't work for us in the same way that it works for a lender. A lender doesn't care because they've got tons of equity, loads of coverage in most cases. So they'll, they'll sell the house at pennies on the dollar as long as they get their money back. For us, it's a very different position. As an equity owner, we need to work hand in hand with the homeowner because our interests are aligned. What's bad for the homeowner is bad for us. So that's why this is a, a much more friendly deal than a loan would ever be. So Matthew, to date, how much equity have you guys invested in? We are, well, we've written contracts. I don't have the precise figure, but it's tens of millions of dollars. Um, and we are in the process of raising new capital so that we can invest in multiple states. So we are, you know, we're, we're raising, hopefully in the next few weeks, we'll have a nice big closing coming in. Um, so, you know, we are in, in the ascendancy as it were. So we've, been originating deals for a couple of years and all we're seeing is just you know growth so um we're working with some interesting investment partners and hopefully we'll have some some good news just to you know just share in a few weeks got it, got it. and what um what is the cost or origination fees associated with getting this program started there's a three percent fee that's payable by the homeowner and that's a once-off fee that comes out of the capital that we invest. Uh, if it's a really tricky deal, that might grow to 4%, because in some cases, 
there's a lot of hair on the title that needs mm-hmm. a lot of sort of fixing. So, um, you know, we will help the homeowner, you know, fix or, you know, okay, I'm sure you've seen there's tons of liens that shouldn't be there, owners that should have come off um, where husband and wife got divorced and, and, and that wasn't reflected in the title. So, you know, there's a lot of work that we need to do to clean the title up. Then, then it might be a little bit more than that. Um, there's the cost of the appraisal and, and the and title uh, filing fees. That comes out of the amount that we invest. So we pay for that up front. So the homeowner doesn't have any upfront costs, but we take those costs on a sort of pass-through basis out of the amount plus that 3% fee. And, and that's it. So there's no other fees after that at all forever for the entire duration of the agreement. You know, Brian, we, we talk about this all the time, right? And it's no matter how much research and, and, you know, how much we're ingrained into our business, we always learn something new every day, right? It's all, we always come across something new that we haven't heard of before. And, and, you know, this is really just a fascinating conversation because, you. you know, having been in a real estate investor for 10 years and looking at different creative strategies on how to create different ways to, to liquefy your capital position, this has never, ever yes. <laughs> come across. So, Really, really uh, exciting that uh, we're having this conversation today, Brian. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the number one thing we hear about real estate investing and why some people don't like it is because it's illiquid, which can be a benefit, but it can also be a downside, right? If you have a ton of equity in something, you know, why not go put it to work? Uh, You know, have your money work for you, right? So I can see this being a very attractive strategy. You know, cash out refinances have gotten extremely popular over the last, let's call it 10 years or so. HELOCs have been around for a very long time, but uh, from an investment standpoint, you know, I could see this being very attractive if I was buying single-family rentals and wanted to leverage my position to go buy more rentals and and to make an agreement with somebody like Quantum, so that I can grow my portfolio with the equity that I have at a you know. So we talk about the uh, velocity of money all yeah, the time, exactly. right? Putting your money to work. Uh, this is a very attractive uh, tool. It's just another great tool in the tool belt that uh, I think more people need to know about. One quick thing, just to leap in, is that it doesn't increase debt. One of the most important things. I know I keep banging on about this, but from a macro level, what you're not doing is is increasing the overall leverage within that sector. So, so this is not repeat, not a rerun of what happened in 0708, mm-hmm. where you're over leveraging people. It's the opposite. You're solving a problem that um, is going to prevent another 0708 um, potentially. So, in other words. Um, what we're doing is we're taking money that is in the equity account, which is owned money, and we are selling that to an investor. So we're effectively widening the ownership of equity in residential real estate. And that is completely different to increasing the leverage on those assets. And, and so because of that, um, that economically is a much better thing because it puts more money into the economy. It gives people disposable capital without the burden of those monthly payments. And so it, it should expand, uh, you know, it gives people the ability to expand their portfolios rather than having that, uh, that, that huge burden of ever-increasing debt attached to it. Absolutely. And then Cody and Matthew, when you think about a year like COVID last year, there were a lot, hundreds of thousands of people or have not paid their mortgage in a significantly long oh, time. Millions. It's, it's millions of people. Yeah. And, and, but they have equity in their home, right? And maybe they're not in a position where they could do a cash out refinance. Another tool like this is great. And you're right. And again, the big problem is, is, is if you do go into some sort of agreement with a lender, then until you've paid that back, you can't refi your house. 
So you you it's kind of a um a, almost a catch 22 where okay I'm I'm going to um defer some of my payments or um but, but the problem then is you you're you're on your back foot you have to be able to negotiate with your lender or you you hope that your lender is either subject to um a, a rare fit of benevolence or some sort of legal pressure to be able to allow you to tack that to the end of your mortgage Otherwise, if you get a bill for your sort of deferred or your 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 you know missed payments, as it were, you're never going to have the cash available to to you know pay those back. You know, people that have you know deferred say six months' payments, it's like when the bank says, "Okay, you now owe us twenty thousand dollars." It's like, well, you know, where am I going to get that money from? So, um, we do really these programs do help people get back on their feet. So, people that have credit issues that can be fixed by paying off those credit issues this is a great way of of solving those problems that then puts them back in a position where it's a level playing field and then they can then go and get the best rates and they can then refi because they they meet the bank's requirements well and i've got to assume here yeah i'd imagine you guys are probably a much easier to work with than having to go through a bank right <laughs> whether yes, it be e-lock or refinance or exactly because the you know, we're, we're underwriting in a very different way. We're looking at the property um, primarily. Um, and so you could have a, a terrible credit score. But, you know, if we think that we can probably fix your problem and you've got enough equity, then as long as we don't think you're going to end up going into default with your mortgage, then we can work with you. But you're absolutely right. It's a much faster process. You, you know, it's much lighter in terms of the amount of underwriting that needs to be done. It's a great way of solving a problem and getting you back on your feet without having to, you know, answer all those myriad questions that the bank asks you. Well, man, Matthew, this has been great. Unfortunately, we're kind of getting near the end of our time here, but just a fascinating conversation, man. Just always enjoy learning about new, new strategies, new techniques and things out there. And glad that guys like you are out there providing these solutions for problems that are in, in the marketplace today. So Brian, any questions that uh, you have for Matthew that we didn't ask? No, no. I think Matthew answered all the major checkpoints. Uh, I understand this much better than I did when we started, both as a homeowner and as an investor. I can. We didn't get to go down the rabbit hole of uh, how this can potentially be another asset class to invest in. You know, between blockchain technology, sort of like mortgage notes get traded. That's a whole another conversation we'll have to say for another day. But I could see this being very, uh, very attractive to investors who want to buy, like, say, a package of of these things that are put together on particular assets in particular areas and bank on their upside. So I'm um, definitely looking forward to watching this space grow. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so you're going to you're going to get with Matthew here and uh, go tap into some of that equity at home, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, as well. <laughs> how to find us. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, Matthew, tell the listeners how they can learn more about Quantum RE and, and get connected with you. Great. Well, everything's on the website. So it's Quantum RE, Q-U-A-N-T-M-R-E.com. And uh, we've got a calculator there where you can find out how much equity you could unlock. And we have all sorts of downloadables videos we have an ebook uh, we have a phone number at the bottom so you can actually phone us up and we'll answer the phone like the old-fashioned way so please you know reach out any way you like um, we'd love to hear from you we'd love to be able to help you awesome well matthew thank you so much for joining us today really appreciate the great conversation and uh, definitely look forward to staying connected and learning more about quantum re thanks for having me on it's been a real pleasure thanks matthew today's episode was proudly brought to you by blue oak capital to learn more about Blue Oak Capital and how you can partner with us, visit www.blueoakinvests.com. Tune in next time.